What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Engines and Energy Drinks. Thanks for tuning in. And before we get started, uh, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's the only app that lets you create and host unlimited episodes and distribute your show everywhere with a single tap. All at once, all for free. You can find Anchor by searching anchor.fm or you can find it in the App Store. And I don't know about you guys, but we're pretty bored and a podcast is a good way to maybe pass the time, just talk about something you're into. So definitely recommend it. And we will get started. Sam, how's it going? I'm good, man. Excited for another great episode talking about cars. All right, let's go. So first, and we're going to get into what's new and we have to start with Tesla. So Tesla introduced um, a new technology they're going to call Cheetah Stance and uh, it's reported to improve uh, acceleration from a standing start uh, for the Tesla Model X and the Model S models. Um, Tesla obviously known for building some of the quickest launching cars in the industry. Um, so this Cheetah Stance technology is going to reroute the suspension on the car so Tesla they will they're using um, air suspension on their cars right now and what this new technology is going to do is it's going to have the car the front suspension is going to tense up a little bit and it's going to drop the car a little bit lower and the rear suspension is going to lift up a little bit and it's going to soften up um, so Obviously, it's going to improve the grip off the line, so we're going to be looking at even faster times from some of Tesla's already ridiculously fast models. So, um, what do you think about it? So, what what models is that going to be on? The Model S and the Model X. Okay, so um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Porsche just uh, the past couple months they came out with the Taycan which was their introduction sort of into all electric cars. And there's a big rivalry between the Taycan and the Model S. And the Taycan actually beat the Model S in a drag race. So um, hearing this, I definitely think that this is Tesla's way of kind of coming back at Porsche. Um, maybe take another shot at that drag race and uh, come up with a different result. But definitely uh, cool, cool stuff happening over there. Yeah, definitely. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of numbers Tesla's going to put out with this. So additionally, it also is going to lower the car uh, a tiny bit from the standard suspension setup that they have on it right now. And it's also going to manage weight transfer during any hard acceleration. And up next, we're going to talk about the 2021 Maserati MC20. So this car was supposed to debut in May, and because of the coronavirus pandemic, the release of this car has been moved to September. And the story on that car is likely is going to be powered by an all-Italian twin-turbo V6. And um, initially, from what we've heard from Maserati, this car has a high resemblance of the Alfa Romeo 4C, um, so supposedly this engine's going to produce more than 600 horsepower and in the near future for that model, um, Maserati is reported to release a hybrid version later in the lifespan of this car. 
thoughts on that? Um, so Maserati, they've definitely kind of been in a rut for the past, like, decade, I think, with their cars. Um, they've been having a tough time with, uh, sales and production, but, um, hopefully this kind of turns a corner for them. Uh, I like the idea of basing it off the 4C. 4C is a really, like, a lightweight, handling-focused, uh, not too much power on the 4C, but then with them adding this, uh, really powerful twin turbo v6 uh, maybe kind of get a best of both worlds out of it so uh, we'll see what happens yeah so the cabrio version will follow in 2021 and the estimate price for this car should be around hundred sixty thousand dollars it's pretty affordable yeah considering what you're getting um it'll be really interesting to see what the car looks like obviously maserati known for their uh, nice interiors, the quality of the car, beautiful Italian design, yep. you know, rich heritage. So it'll be really interesting to see the direction of the company after that. And finally, Porsche is selling off the last 991 era, 911. And in doing this, they are actually going to raise some money for coronavirus relief. And the car they are selling, which is the final production 991, will be a Speedster. Um, so if you don't know about the Speedster, uh, the 356 Speedsters were made in the 1950s, and there was a Speedster um, pretty much all throughout the lineage of the 911, and then recent, just recently we got the latest version, which is based off the uh, GT3 platform, so you got a 4 liter flat 6, and... Um, it's a super raw experience. I mean, it's a beautiful design. Carbon fiber body panels, titanium exhaust, uh, manual soft top, so no power. 502 horsepower, six-speed manual is the only option for that car. Um, as far as weight goes, it did gain 115 pounds on a base GT3, but, I mean, looking at the design of that car, I mean, it's just a flawless design, beautiful car. Um, I think it's really cool what Porsche decided to do with it. Yeah, um, I think maybe less about performance with that car, more about just continuing the legacy of the Speedster. And I think they hit the nail right on the head with the design. It's, be it's a beautiful car. Um, I thought the GT3 Touring was pretty cool, uh, the wing wingless GT3. But seeing the, the swoop over rear end of the Speedster um, just gets better and better. And I think it's a perfect way to end the 991 Generation 911 Definitely a huge success, and going out with the ultimate version and also uh, helping out with uh, the coronavirus relief. Yeah, so we'll see how much that car sells for. Um, with the certain the circumstances right now, I'd expect to see this car get pretty close to a million dollars, especially since this is the last 991. It's the end of a huge era for Porsche. I mean, this probably, without a doubt, would be the most successful generation of the 911. I think most number of 911s sold, a lot of new models, a lot of racing success too. Um, I think this car is probably going to go for a lot of money and for a good cause too. Absolutely. Um, so that'll wrap it up for uh, what's new this week. And we will transition into what's cool. And this week, um, our what's cool segment, it's really not cool, but it's definitely a, something that a really big event that happened this week amongst the car community and something that we felt needed to be addressed. So let's get into it. So what happened was we lost a really cool car in the car community. 
So the Jambala Mirage GT, so for those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically a Carrera GT on steroids. And Jambala is a Porsche mod modification company. They do a lot of high-end modifications for Porsches. And they only made 25 of these Jambala Mirage GTs. So what happened was uh, a guy named Benjamin Chen. So he his parents are billionaires in China. So um, he really uh, kind of made his fortune off of them in a way. Um, he's he's had his own endeavors though. He's the vice president of Gold Rush Rally, which is a pretty popular um, rally program. And so I'll walk you guys through what happened. Basically, he totaled it, and this is the only one in the in America. So it's a huge loss. And so what happened was he was driving down Eleventh Avenue in the Hell's Kitchen district of New York City. And security footage shows him crossing through an intersection at a very high rate of speed, probably going about 50 or 60 miles an hour, loses control of the car, and he slides into the back of a parked Toyota Sienna. And he was going so fast, the Sienna probably launched about 20 feet forward, completely destroyed. And the, the Mirage GT was also completely destroyed too. The front end just completely done in. The wheels got folded in. And this was this is where it kind of gets crazy. So he starts to drive away. And there's people on the street. Yeah, even though um, New York, obviously, one of the more heavily affected states with the coronavirus right now, there's still a couple people out on the streets. So, of course, people got their phones out, started filming. So... Video starts right after he makes impact with the Toyota Sienna and fluid leaking everywhere, parts strewn all across the street and he starts to pull away and he starts to drive away in his completely mangled car and everyone's just going crazy. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? He like, he needs to stop. And like that's, that's the sensible thing to do in this situation. But instead he keeps going. He runs through two red lights in the process and like he, he can hear him. He's just, he's revving the car up. He's obviously trying to get away, but, and then eventually he hits another car a couple of blocks down the road and then he does get stopped by NYPD. And so as he gets stopped by NYPD, he's sitting there in his car and he starts to get out, even though the police never gave him permission to get out of the car. And then once they do give him permission to get out of the car, he gets out and he's, he just stumbles. And so then right away, red flags, there's something up with this guy, definitely under the influence of drugs or alcohol. So he gets out of the car, he stumbles, and he kind of has to lean up against it to s stay standing upright. And then he walks over to the back while the police kind of assess the damage and what's been going, what's, what happened. And then as he's st standing there, he just all of a sudden s decides that he's going to go and get back in the car. He gets back in the car and he starts it. And at this point, the cops are like, yeah, he's definitely intoxicated. And so they pull him out. He gets arrested. He gets charged with reckless driving and DUI. And basically, that's kind of what happened. Obviously, really cool car, completely ruined by this guy. And... uh it could have been a lot worse. Uh, I mean, imagine if there were actually people out there, a lot of people out, and, you know, that parked car kind of stopped 
him from going straight and onto the sidewalk and then maybe potentially into a crowd of people, which definitely probably would have resulted in serious injuries or even fatalities. So this guy, obviously, he's an idiot, and this isn't his first rodeo, and we'll go into that in a second, but I just want to hear your thoughts on this whole situation. I mean, yeah, that's a really big shame, especially with the car community, to lose a really special car like that. Like you said, only one in North America or the United States? I think United States for sure. I don't know about North America. I mean, yeah, I mean, cars really bring people together, and certain cars have a really special connection to the community. I mean, talk about what what would happen if we lost one of the Fast and Furious cars. I mean, that those are the kinds of things that really bring the community together, and I know it's kind of funny how really materialistic things can affect groups of people, you know? But, you know, it, it just really sucks that he made that poor decision that day, but like you said, luckily there weren't many people out on the streets, so it could have ended a lot worse, but regardless, still pretty unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, so I don't know what happened, um, what uh, he, they, I don't know what he was on, I'm pretty sure it was drug related, I don't know what specifically he was on, but he was charged with that DUI, and so, like I said before, this this guy, this isn't his first time crashing these sort these sort of unicorn cars. So um, he also crashed a one of three Lamborghini Murcielago SV, which came with a gated six speed manual. And there's only three of those in the world, three ever made, and he he totaled that. And so now there's only two, and that's a pretty big deal. And then he also. He crashed a rented McLaren MP4-12C. I think that was back in 2013. But obviously this guy has a really bad track record with cars. And I think um, law enforcement should definitely look at this and think. I don't think, like, just take a step back. This guy probably shouldn't have a license. And if so, he needs to go back to driver's school and maybe like get some community service punishments or something. But this guy doesn't belong on the road and he's proven himself to be dangerous yeah i, I would definitely suspend his license uh maybe even indefinitely um obviously like you said his track record is pretty bad at this point you know i think at the, at this point in time i think it's time for him to get his license revoked for a pretty substantial amount of time yeah um maybe one day he'll maybe regret I'm sure he regrets his choices but maybe he'll actually learn from them and obviously there needs to be a change in the way he's punished so maybe this will be the change that he needs so hopefully that happens so there aren't any more cars and people being put at risk yeah for sure so um if you guys want to find out more about this whole thing and see some of the footage uh, I recommend you go check out YouTube channel JR Garage he has a he made a good video about this um giving his opinion on it and also showing a lot of the clips from that accident. So go check that out and that'll wrap it up for our what's cool section of this week. Moving right along into the YouTuber special special feature uh, to, for this week I selected Parker Nierenstein from Vehicle Virgins. Um, I was trying to look for people that were continuing to upload uh, with pretty good content. Obviously, it's hard to do at this point in time, but I saw I like what I saw from Parker, 
and I wanted to give an update on what's going on in his channel, which is Vehicle Virgins. Uh, so today, actually, a couple hours ago, he uploaded a video talking about his $2 million garage, and the cars in that garage include his 2016 Maybach S600, his 2020 Ferrari 812 Superfast, his VF engineering tuned McLaren 600 LT, his half a million dollar Rolls Royce Cullinan, and finally his 2015 Rolls Royce Wraith. And in that video today, he stated that he doesn't plan on selling any of the cars in his current garage right now. Um, he also added that he has, um, he doesn't really have any intentions of buying anything new, bringing anything to the garage, but he also did say that a lot of his car purchases were very emotional. There's a lot of feelings behind um, the cars that he bought, so obviously you never really know. Um, he's sitting at 20, or not 20, 2.2 million subscribers right now on his channel. He's still uploading, I think every two days I've seen. and. Also recently, he redesigned the channel with some new aesthetics and a new logo. So, what, what do you think? What do you think about Parker and his channel? Um, I think he's definitely. I think I agree with what you said about um, the direction he's going right now during this whole pandemic. Uh, I think it's uh, it's hard for a lot of YouTubers to post good content because that involves them going out and driving around, doing stuff, meeting up with people. And I think Parker, he's been doing a really good job coping with this and he's still finding a way to put out good videos. Like, I mean, he just, a couple days ago, he uh, bought the colon in, which is a really big deal. And he's been making good big um, good content. So, uh, my thoughts on his collection, personally, not my cup of tea. Uh, I'd, I'd kind of like to see a little bit more diversity from him, just a lot. Main, mainly focus on luxury and exotics. Uh, I'd kind of like to see some more like classics and like, tuner cars and stuff like that. But I mean, it's, it's his money. He can buy whatever he wants. But uh, obviously, he's definitely got a really cool collection. And uh, 600 LT is pretty cool. It's one of my favorite cars for sure. Yeah, definitely. And he went pretty in depth in his most recent video on that car and all the uh, MSO options that he had um, spec'd for that car. He fully spec'd it himself, so obviously super cool customization on that car. A truly one-of-one one car, but probably the most interesting background story on any of the cars on his channel I heard was probably on his or his Mercedes Maybach S600. So he, it all started for him in Michigan, which is where he graduated college at the University of Michigan. And he purchased his first Mercedes, which was an S550 luxury sedan. Um, that was one of the first cars he bought in starting his like uprise in the car community, especially on YouTube. Um, he also at that time he also had a Lamborghini Gallardo. He also had a M5, which was supercharged. So he bought that S500 to daily drive. That was a really sentimental car to him. It was black on black, and at the time he bought that car, there was a Maybach S600, and he saw that car and thought it was just a unbelievably cool car. 
So once he had saw a car identical to it almost um, in the showroom, um, he out like I was talking about earlier how he said a lot of his purchases are off of emotion. Uh, he just felt an instant emotional connection to that car and it's obviously very meaningful to him so he decided to buy it and he went over a lot of the really cool features on that car. Um, so it obviously just shows that the Maybach has second to none engineering and it's very luxurious. It's an extended wheelbase S550 so you get a lot of really cool features with that car. It's a V12 so definitely not sluggish at all but a very nice car, probably one of my favorite additions to his collection, but I do agree with you in the sense that he does have three very luxury focused cars in the Wraith and the Cullinan and the Maybach. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, those are the cars he chooses and he's obviously very happy with those choices, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more variety in his garage, but I mean, nonetheless, it's still one of the most elite car collections on YouTube right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Maybach is really a cool addition. Um, I didn't really know much about the story behind that car, so um, that's really cool to kind of see the connection between uh, that car and his uh, S550. And, you know, as if a Mercedes wasn't luxurious enough, you know, just Maybach really kicks it up another notch, so that's a, a really cool car. So... Let's move into our brand trailer analysis for the week. Um, brand trailer's been kind of slow this week. Obviously, no one really wants to sell right now because of the coronavirus. Um, no one really wants to buy anything, so um, uh, sales have been kind of low. But there's still some pretty cool stuff on there, so uh, I chose a couple cars to take a look at. And our first one is a 1993 Mark IV Super Turbo. Um, these things are really cool. Unfortunately, this one isn't a manual. It's a four-speed auto, but it's still a pretty cool car. Um, really low miles, 16,000 original miles on this. So um, not heavily used at all, in really good condition. So obviously, the Mark IV Supra has the 3-liter 2JZ inline 6, putting out 320 horsepower and 315 pound-feet of torque. And the bid is up to forty grand, and there are five days left. So, thoughts? Yeah, super cool car. Very rich history in the car community, obviously. And, you know, a lot of the value of this car has actually been asserted by the car community. One of the most sought-after cars for anywhere. I mean, probably one of the most legendary cars of the 90s. And the 90s, by far, was probably the most significant era um, for performance cars. Um, I really like the spec on this car. Really clean black exterior with a beige interior. You gotta love that cockpit. Super driver focused. Kind of a shame it's an automatic, but nonetheless, super, super cool car. Uh, the engine from the photos looks like it's in fairly good shape. It's pretty clean. It's got, I saw, had some Michelin Pilot Sport tires on there, so definitely a great car to drive. Super fun. Fairly lightweight. Um, yeah, it's any enthusiast dream to have one of these, so we'll see how much it sells for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely a legend amongst the uh, JDM community. And so our next car, um, this is definitely a more affordable option. So uh, last week, uh, I kind of 
with sticking to more high-end stuff, but um, there is actually a lot of really cool, affordable stuff on Bring a Trailer, so uh, this, and this car is really uh, popular among enthusiasts, and it's not crazy expensive, so it's a 2000 Honda S2000 or S2K, um, it's got 32,000 miles on it, and of course, six-speed manual, and it's powered by a two-liter VTEC inline four. Um, some cool things about this car, uh, it comes factory with a limited slip diff, uh, which is pretty advanced technology for the 2000s. Uh, it's got a 240 horsepower, and then this is probably one of the more uh, popular features of this car. It has a digital light bar tachometer, and which is really cool because this car uh, revs really high, revs up to 9,000 RPM. So... Having a digital tachometer in a car from the early 2000s is a really big deal. Yeah, so, and this is this is the 32,000 mile one? Yeah. Um, so yeah, really cool car. I like the silver on the red, and this is an early 2000s, so there's a big difference between the early 2000s and the later 2000s for the S2000. This car is the AP1 engine versus the AP2. So the AP1 has a higher... Uh, rev limiter says you can get this all up to 9,000 versus the AP2 is more towards the 8,700 range. So yeah, it's pretty pristine, 32,000 miles. Um, it's hard to find these uh, earlier year AP1 S2000s in this good condition. Obviously, it looks pretty much stock from the factory. Like you said, the digital uh, tachometer and all that stuff. So it's, I mean... Very driver focused, very similar to the Supra, the cockpit kind of facing towards the driver, six-speed manual. Um, another really important car to the car community, obviously. So, up to 17000 already, three more days left on it. These cars have definitely been going up in value, but we'll see how the pandemic obviously is going to affect the sales of this car. But nonetheless, I still think this is going to be a pretty good sale. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what happens with this one. Pretty, really cool car. And so, of course, uh, we couldn't do the Bring Trailer analysis without including a Porsche. So, here's your Porsche for the week. 1992 Porsche 911 Turbo, also known as the 964. This one has 46,000 miles, so this is really low miles for a car from 1992. Uh, it comes with a 5-speed manual, a 3.3-liter Turbo Flat 6 and has 315 horsepower and this one is i haven't seen i don't i can't remember if i've seen any of these in coral red but really cool uh metallic color on this 964 i can't remember if i've ever seen one in this color so that'll definitely bring the price up on this there are six days left on the bid and it's already up to 100 grand so uh, we'll see what happens with this one it's uh Definitely a favorite amongst amongst uh, Porsche enthusiasts. Yeah, it's a beautiful car, and the seller is from Phoenix, Arizona, so a lot of cars in that area can get sun damage. Um, a lot of the cars will suffer from the, ex the exterior from all the sun. The sun, the UV rays in Arizona, obviously very strong. But this car is beautifully maintained. Not sure how long. This car has been owned in Arizona. Not sure how if this car's been garaged or not. Um, it has the cup wheels. Uh, that's definitely it, the number one wheel choice for that car. Really like the interior color. Uh, obviously, it's super neat, super well maintained. Um, 
I mean, it doesn't really get much better than a 90s Porsche 911 Turbo. Those cars were probably the most sought after, some of the most sought after performance cars in the 90s. And especially during that time when a lot of manufacturers were shooting towards breaking top speed records. And it was, I mean, that was like the heyday for the, for automotives, any performance automotive car, anything that's almost anything relevant today was made in the nineties. And a lot of cars today still get a lot of their roots from the nineties and a lot of traits from the, their predecessors from the nineties. So, I mean, obviously for Porsche, this is a very important car. Um, already up to a hundred thousand dollars, still six days left. I mean, this car is going to be really expensive and I think it's deservingly so. Yeah. Uh, definitely a beautiful car. That coral red, definitely something I've never seen before on a 964, and I, uh, I really like it. And then, so, last week I mentioned, um, an Aston Martin DBS, uh, I believe it was in 1969, and so that car is a premium bid, so that, um, auction is still going. There are five days left on that auction, and that car is up to 102 grand, which I believe is about a 30 grand jump from where we were last week. So, uh, again, beautiful car. Love the design, love the lines. Uh, just shows Aston Martin's craftsmanship. So we'll see what happens with that. And that will wrap up the bring a trailer portion of the show. And so we have our fan question for the week. And I kind of stole this question from um, Ed Bolian over at uh, VinWiki. But, so what he's been doing is he's been creating these little YouTube videos, um, reaching out to a lot of automotive YouTubers. There's big names in the automotive industry. And he's been asking them like kind of the sort of the same thing that we do. We just have a question. And then they all submit videos with their responses. So... I like the idea, so I kind of stole it from him, but our question for this week would, it's a 10 grand budget car, so if you had 10 grand, what would you buy? So, I will go first, and if I had 10 grand, I would go for a Mark IV Golf GTI with the 1.8, and the reason I say that is because, obviously those are well under 10 grand, I'd say an expensive one would be like five grand. And I think it's if um, it's a really capable engine. The 1.8 uh, four banger, pretty much indestructible. Uh, you can tune those things super hard, put a lot of boost on them, just run the car really hard and they don't really seem to wear. So, and obviously golfs are just great daily drivers. Um, but yeah, that'd be my answer for that question. And, uh, Sam, what do you think? That's a good question. Uh, I would, I would probably say I would want a Mark IV GTI as well, but especially the, uh, 20th anniversary edition. I love the design on that car, but to change it up, I'll try to go something different. Um, I love old BMWs. I've always had a thing for those. Uh, I just love the design, but it's hard to afford any M models. You know, an E36, you're looking at 
more towards the $20,000 range, E46 as well, for anything uh, drivable that doesn't need some serious work. But you can definitely get some of the lower level um, 3 Series BMWs for around that money. I really like the ZHP uh, 330s, the 330Ci, especially the E46 model. I think that's a great car. Very reliable engine. You know, M, we all know M means money. You pay for what you get and you also pay for the maintenance. Uh, the ZHP has a lot of the parts from the M3 suspension. Um, it keeps the engine from the 330i, so it's a little bit more reliable than the uh, engine from the E46, which can be kind of notorious. Um, they're not that hard to find in a manual. There's a lot of them out there. There's definitely a lot of modding potential with those cars. You can swap a lot of M3 parts into them. Um, you know, you can also get an E36, like a, you can get a 325IS, 325, 323 easy to find those but a lot of these cars are in pretty rough shape so it's hard to find one that's in good condition for 10 grand but they're definitely out there and I would definitely be my first pick very fun car pretty nimble um, can turn into a drift car very fun car in my opinion yeah for sure affordable rear rear wheel drive can't go wrong with that all right, so that'll wrap up our second episode of Engines and Energy Drinks. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.